Well, good morning, my friends. As I'm uh, taping this, um, it's raining. And um, we haven't had rain in like 60 days. So looking out my office window, enjoying the rain. We are on Mark chapter 14. I'm taping this for um, Wednesday, August 8th. And uh, it is podcast number 349. So grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14. As we saw in Mark chapter 13, um, Jesus um, stops and begins to to talk to his disciples about some questions that they had. He didn't tell them, "Hey, don't don't worry about it." He didn't uh, he didn't try to redirect them um, because the reality is, as we get to chapter fourteen, we're within just a week of Jesus' death. So all of this is on his plate, and yet he takes the time to stop in chapter thirteen. Uh, again, which was just in the middle of the letter that was written here and uh, the things that were taken down. Um, but Mark found it necessary or important um, to to mention this teaching. Peter would have been there, remember, in uh, the first few verses in, um, of chapter 13. Peter, James, John, and Andrew were the ones um, that were um, privy to this talk about... Um, the tribulation. So then we get into right after tribulation, we go to chapter 14 and this very solemn two verses says it was now two days before the Passover. Now remember in Jerusalem because of the Passover, which was celebrated um, because of God's uh, deliverance of the Jewish people. Remember in the first Passover um, in Exodus when they uh, um, were freed from Egypt and came out, there was the first Passover, and they were here where they were hundreds and hundreds of years later celebrating it. Um, the Passover would have brought many, many people to Jerusalem. The, the, the streets would have swelled. Every available inch would have been used for people staying there. Uh, so the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And now look at this next saying. This is... Incredibly sad, incredibly difficult to understand. It says, then the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. These are the chief priests. These are the religious leaders. I read on Facebook the other day, it said, uh, if you're quitting on God because uh, you've had a problem with religious people, think of what Jesus went through and he didn't quit. Jesus struggled with religious people. In fact, they were the ones that wanted him dead. Now, we know that they're playing into the hands of God because the Bible tells us that Jesus' plan of crucifixion was before the ends or before the beginning of, of the world. But it was always in his plan to give his life. Look at Luke chapter 9. Right after Mark is the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 52. There are people who say that that Jesus never planned to die. He just got caught up in all the emotion and he actually just wanted to be a revolutionary. But in chapter 9, verse 52, it says, uh, 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So the plan was uh, coming to fruition, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't uh, um, something that somebody else took him by the hand and made him go to Jerusalem. No, he 
willingly went. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient, not accidentally taken, not taken by force, but becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So we understand that Jesus uh, knew what was happening. We understand that this next week of his life, he had looked towards. Um, look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our example. He, the Bible says in, in Luke, set his face to go to Jerusalem. He willingly, Philippians says, um, gave his life, even his life on the cross. So he was willing to do this, these two verses. Uh, verse 2 says, uh, of chapter 14, back to Mark 14, for they said, not during the feast, let there be an uproar from the people. There's so many people in town, there's no way they could have controlled. And many of the people were there to see Jesus. They were there for the Passover, but they had heard the great stories. They had heard of all the, the things that were happening. And so um, they're in they're in Jerusalem. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees say, hey, we can't, um, we can't do anything at the moment. Let's wait until Passover is over. But look at the intention. The intention is to stealthily, um, to be able to take him, to get him away, to arrest him, and to have him killed. Why? Because they thought he was a false prophet. He, he was blasphemous. He was um, everything that they hated. And so they wanted him killed, yet he was God's son. He was the Messiah who would come, and they would not recognize it. Let us uh, let me read to you a little bit from Wearsby this morning as we, as we talk about Mark 14. This event, which we're going to look at, at Jesus being anointed at Bethany, took place six days before the Passover, which would be on the Friday before his triumphal entry. By placing the story between the accounts of the plot to arrest Jesus, Mark con contrasted the treachery of Judas and the leaders uh, with the love and loyalty of Mary. The ugliness of their sins makes the beauty of the sacrifice even more, even more meaningful. They're out to kill him. In just a few verses, we're going to read that Judas went to betray him. But in the middle of that is this beautiful story. And let's read it. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment and pure nard, very costly. She broke the flask and poured it over his head. There um, were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like this? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can go do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done 
what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Sandwiched in between that betrayal and um, the scribes wanting to, and chief priests wanting to have him killed is this beautiful story. And it's a beautiful story of Mary. Now, it in this, it just mentions a woman. There are two um, women who did similar things here. This one is Mary. This one is Mary, who is uh, Martha and Lazarus' um, sister. There's another one that we don't want to get confused with, where there's another situation where he was uh, anointed as well. But this one is Mary. This is the amazing Mary. Mary loves Jesus. Um, let's go back to what Wearsby says. Neither Mark nor Matthew names the woman, but John tells us that it was Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And where do we find that? In John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So that we get these um, two women um, um, recognized and we understand the differences, we need to look at a couple of scriptures. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary, John says, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So we know from John's uh, gospel that um, that it was Mary. M Mark doesn't go to all of these details, remember. Mark talked about what Jesus did, and uh, and the others went into a little bit more detail in this situation. Mary is, is uh, found three times in the gospel story, and each time she's at the feet of Jesus. Isn't this amazing? We can learn something from Mary. There are three different instances, and, and we want to go ahead and look at those because they're, I believe they're so important. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I hope you're having a great day this morning. I hope you have your Bible in front of you, or your notes and your coffee or whatever you need. In uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Says this, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So there's the first situation where we have uh, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Now turn to John chapter 12, excuse me, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. This is where Lazarus is uh, um, being raised from the dead. John chapter 11, verses 31 and 32 says, When the Jews who were with her in the house with Martha, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her and supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And then in chapter 12 of John, in chapter 12 of John, we have the story of Mary 
anointing Jesus at Bethany. And let's read those 12, uh, eight verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And they gave a dinner for him. There Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance of the perfume. So we have these three situations where we find Mary at the feet of Jesus Christ and she anoints him. Mark chapter 14, verse three says this, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of Pyrenar, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And then in John chapter 12, we see that she anointed also his feet. Jesus was anointed from top, the top of his head, and the oil would flow down his head. And she anointed his feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. And Jesus says to those that were complaining, stop, stop. What she has done is beautiful. She has prepared my body. Mary must have had an incredible insight into her Savior. She had an incredible love for him because she knelt at his feet and she anointed him. Women weren't allowed to be that close to a um, a rabbi. And that's what many of them considered Jesus to be. And even his disciples complained. And one of the disciples who's, uh, uh, who... Uh, complained loudly loudly and and the loudest was Judas who would betray him and in Exodus chapter 21 you can look this up later Exodus 21:32 he betrayed him for the price of a slave in Exodus chapter 21 if your ox uh, uh gores someone and gores a slave you will pay the person this 30 pieces of silver for the cost of a slave. And Jesus is sold by Lazarus, or excuse me, by Judas for the price of a slave. He says, leave her alone. What she's done will be talked about um, for the longest time, whenever the gospel is proclaimed. And isn't that true today? That here we are, you and I, here we are talking about this um, situation where Mary anoints him. Now, in Luke chapter 7, we won't go there, but in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, we have the other situation where it was said that a woman who was a sinner anointed uh, Jesus and, and blessed him. Judas and the disciples didn't understand because at this particular point, women were not um, thought of very highly. They weren't. One Rabbi said, it's better to burn the Torah than to teach it to a woman. Women were given no place, but Jesus elevated the position of women. Although Mary is at his feet, he elevated the position of women because they, she was allowed to be there in the room and to be close to him. There are three things I, uh, that, that, that um, we want to talk about from this before we close. Number one, and we're not going to get through the whole passage, but number one, there were three consequences. This is where it's be to her act of worship. First, the house was filled with a beautiful fragrance of this ointment. 
beautiful fragrance. Whenever there is worship, there is a beautiful fragrance. What, what does your, your life and your worship smell like? Is it a beautiful fragrance to the Lord? Because it, it filled the room. And in fact, in the days ahead, as Jesus would have walked into the triumphal entry, he probably would have smelled of this perfume. Um, your praise and your worship means something to the Lord. So give him your praise and your worship. Secondly, the disciples led by Judas criticized Mary for wasting her money. It sounded so pious for Judas uh, to talk about the poor, but when in reality, he just wanted the money for himself. Remember, he was the one who kept the money bag and the scriptures say that at times he would use it for his own good. Judas had um, a plan. And his plan was that Jesus would be king and he would be right there and he would be the treasurer. Third, Jesus commended Mary and accepted her gracious gift. He knew the heart of Judas and understood why the other disciples followed his bad example. He also knew Mary's heart and quickly defended her. You remember of David, it's in 1 Samuel, when Samuel was wanting to anoint one of the brothers, one of the sons of Jesse, and he went through all the brothers and he made the mistake multiple, uh, multiple times looking at the outward appearance and God said to him, Samuel, man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. God understands the heart. The account of her deed was blessing to the early church and heard about it. And because of the records in three of the Gospels, Mary has been a blessing to the whole world and still is. The Lord's prediction has certainly been fulfilled that we would be talking about this whenever the Gospel would be talked about. Mary gave her best in faith and love. Judas gave his worst in belief and hatred. He solved the problem of how the Jewish leaders could arrest Jesus quietly without causing a riot. How did he do that? By betraying him for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. What is your worship like? What is my worship like? Does it cost me anything? Does it cost you anything? Or is this something we, we add on a Sunday? I would challenge you to look at this story in Mark chapter 14 and to look at Mary and these three instances where she, where she knelt at his feet. She chose the better thing to do. Rather than to be busy and to be active, which is all good, we need to be more like Mary. We need to sit at Jesus' feet. And with our praise and our worship, we anoint him afresh and anew. What does your worship smell like? What is your heart like? God desires your worship and God knows your heart. Let me pray for us. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.